0: We've been in a series for a while now, and today's the last day, the last Sunday of it, uh, honest questions that deserve honest answers. It's a little bit different than uh, what you may have thought it was going to be, I think. Um, we weren't necessarily searching out of the answers, but how to find the answers, how to, how to prepare ourselves and put ourselves in position in life and in our walk with the Lord. To be able to find the answers and search for the answers, then live those answers. Uh, we're going to be wrapping up this series today. And next week, we're going to be starting a brand new series that goes on for a few weeks. Um, entitled, it's going to be on missions. We'll be talking about the importance of missions, the Great Commission, what it's all about, and why it is vital that we as a church, uh, as, as individuals, buy into God's philosophy of evangelism and what that means Locally and even worldwide. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about uh, what God is doing here and uh, how our missions program. I, I was amazed. I, I looked at the, the giving report. Uh, all I get is a report. I don't see who gives what. I just get a report at the end of the month of what's been going on. And our missions program is, is doing great. And we may be able to add another missionary here very soon. Um, and I what I'll just, while we're on that topic, I'll just tell you this. I think what I'd like to do with the next one is bring on a ministry that's local uh, in our area, reaching our community and support that kind of community. So um, I'd really like to look at that. But anyway, if you would stand with me, we're going to be reading John chapter 10, verses 11 through 15 today. <clears throat> that's our text. <laughs> begins, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down. For the sheep. You may be seated. Our series on honest questions that deserve honest answers has been, as I said, not a quest to necessarily learn all the answers because you're not going in in a 45 to 55 minute sermon on Sundays. That gives you 52 Sundays out of the year. You're not going to be able to learn the answers to the deep questions that people are asking out there right now. So while we have... Explored answers here and given some basic answers to some basic questions. The depth of our knowledge needs to go beyond what we learned in Sunday school as a kid. The depth of the knowledge that we have in our faith and about our faith needs to be deeper than simply hearing something in a sermon on Sunday morning. So that's why we've come at this from the idea that we need to learn how to live our lives. We need to learn how to uh, understand how to get the answers, how to be able to dig and search for the answers, how to position ourselves in life, in our walk with Christ to learn the answers. Then once we've learned how to live according to the way and find those answers, we need to be ready to go beyond knowing the answers and always Be ready to answer the questions about life and purpose and eternity that others are seeking the answers to. The last, we did kind of a series within a series, these last several messages have been based on the seven IMs of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And so far we've discussed where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Talked about where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. And last week we talked about Jesus when he says, I am the true vine. And how vitally important it is that we as his followers stay connected to him. Not connected just to our church, not connected to others, but stay connected to him. If you don't stay connected to the vine, to the source of your growth, the source of your Uh, energy as a follower of Christ, you will spiritually wilt away. And as Jesus himself says, you will become useless to his kingdom. We are now at the last I am, and Jesus says in our text, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I think the analogy of Jesus as the good shepherd is incredibly interesting. I mean, think of all the different ways, all the different relationships Jesus could have taught about, right? All the different connections in life that he could have talked about. He could have said, I am the father, you are the children, as he, as he does in other places. He could have used so many different terms. He could have used, let's be honest, he could have used a more flattering term for us, Right? rather than calling us sheep. But he calls us sheep, and he calls himself the shepherd. (laughs) And I think the relationship, I think he chose that, the sheep and shepherd relationship, because that's a relationship that is one of near total dependence. The sheep are almost totally dependent on the shepherd. The shepherd leads them to where they need to go to eat. The shepherd leads them to safety. The shepherd leads them into a place where they are together. And, and the shepherd, even if one of them loses their way, it's not like they bring out the iPhone and they have you know tracking. The shepherd leaves the 99 and searches for the one. And if we were to play that out, the one doesn't have the understanding or the sense to find its way back to the shepherd. So I think it's incredibly interesting that he uses that relationship. And that's just from my viewpoint. If I look at it from the viewpoint of Jesus, it seems that that relationship can be both exhilarating and frustrating at the same time. I, I don't speak in Jesus' place. I can't tell you exactly what he says or thinks. But I do know that as a, as a man, as, a, as the God man, Jesus, Jesus experienced emotions just like we did. We see when he went into the temple, he didn't pat them on the head and say, you know what, guys, I think it might be better if you moved this outside. <laughs> no, Jesus made a whip and went to town. Jesus experienced anger. He experienced hunger. Bible even says he experienced frustration because he went, some, he went to places and wanted to heal and wanted to perform miracles and wanted to teach them and wanted to minister to them, but they didn't want him to. So I, I think that the connection and the relationship that he chooses of the shepherd and the sheep from his perspective can be both exhilarating and frustrating all in the same package. I, think David started the conversation for us when he wrote what is a human being that you remember him what is the son of man that you look upon him to understand that God created the human race and all that is around us is one thing to ponder to know that Jesus thinks about you personally that he died for you personally that he wants to have a personal relationship with you that will extend into eternity. To, ju- is, to me, it's just incredible. And I think for many people, it's very difficult to accept. I thought that Ailen was going to preach my sermon for me when she started the worship program off because we do have those weeks, don't we? We have those weeks that are difficult. And it seems like it's a group effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like if one person is having a rough week, it's kind of generally the vibe, if you'll let me use that term, in in the community. And I think now more so than ever, I know I keep referencing our current situation in the world. By the way, I just remembered, uh, Melvin Edwards, congratulations, that's our our brother. Uh, He represents his city, he represents his ward, but more importantly, uh, he represents Jesus Christ as he serves the city of Springfield. And I won't, he won't say this, but I'll tell you this. He was attacked pretty viciously this time around. Lies and ugliness. And this man showed character and integrity. And I am proud to be your friend, truly, because you held yourself as a man of God would and should. And, and I think God rewarded that. So anyway, back to this. <sighs> To know that God wants to have a personal relationship with me is, is just mind-blowing at times. And I think, it's, I think it's a lot for many people to take in. I think it's very difficult for a lot of people to take in that Jesus truly loves me in a personal way. We look at it more of a, in a macro sense, that Jesus died for the world. He died for everybody, and he wants everybody to be saved. When we look at missions coming up in these next several weeks... We're going to be talking about some big world ideas, some big worldview ideas of how we can reach our community and how we can reach our state, how we can make a difference in our country, how we can even make a difference in the world. And that kind of gives us a sense of belonging to a bigger picture that is greater than us. But we never truly get the full value of the relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with us, shepherd to sheep by just looking at the big picture. And I think that's what some of, some of our brothers and sisters who struggle with their walk, and maybe you're one of them, fail to see and fail to comprehend and fail to accept that he just wants to have a personal relationship with you. And it's even to me, it's even greater because that personal relationship doesn't just stop here one of my favorite Bible stories of all time. There's a lot of them. I love them. I love so many of uh, the interactions that Jesus had with people. Um, I love the stories of the great heroes of the faith. I love the story of Gideon. I think Gideon must have been just an amazing guy. But I think when I think of relationship, I think the one that strikes me the most and excites me, to be honest with you, the most, is the story of Enoch. You remember Enoch, right? Enoch was one of the first human beings. He lived to be over 300 years old. The Bible says that one day, Enoch was walking and talking and, and fellowshipping with God, and it was such sweet fellowship that God said, Enoch, let's just walk out of this world. Let's just walk into eternity because... I, I want to start it now with you. I want you to see everything that I have for you now. I want to experience that kind of a relationship. I want to understand the closeness with the creator of this world, with the one who died for me, the one who lives for me, the one who has a purpose and a plan for me in such a way that, Maybe one day he'd just say, Hey John, what you caught up here now. Let's just let's just get together now. Let's not wait. Let's just, let's just get together now. But Jesus himself says, you know, it is true. I love you with an everlasting love. I love you deeply. I died for you, not because a price had to be paid. I died for you because I want to have a personal relationship with you. In order for that to happen, I had to pay a price that you couldn't pay. But make no mistake, I died for you so that I can have a relationship with you. I am the good shepherd. In our text, twice at the beginning and at the end of that statement, he says the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep I am the good shepherd that statement means that he loves us enough to take responsibility for us yet at the same time filling that role in our lives and here's where it just amazes me here's where I don't know it's here's where it just really kind of grips me knowing what what my choices and my decisions cause for him. Jesus knows that taking responsibility for us is going to cause him pain, anger, frustration, and even heartbreak. Don't you think that when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, using that as an illustration of those who walk away from him, he wasn't feeling that deep in his heart? Knowing that there, I mean, he was teaching, remember, he was teaching those things about closeness and relationship. He was teaching them and one of the 12 closest to him was going to ultimately reject him. And he knew that. So even teaching on these ideas of lost things, it must have really tugged at his heart that he knew there would be those who would reject him. And that's what we've been talking about in all of this series. Knowing that out there, and even in here at times, there are people who reject Jesus. There are people who reject his love. There are people who reject what he offers. Even times in our lives where we say, God, listen, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm not, yes, I love you. Yes, I've given you my eternal soul. But I'm not ready. I'm just not ready for that kind of a commitment. And yet he's still our good shepherd. And he continues to be our good shepherd because he wants us to finally understand what it is he has for us. And once we understand the relationship he has for us and the closeness that he wants to have with us, and all that He wants to do for us. Then we can begin to grow in that relationship, grow in our faith, deepen that walk. And that's when we will become the greatest witness of the power of Jesus Christ. Both witnessing what He does in us and witnessing to others what He can do for them. Ultimately, the sheep-shepherd relationship is one about personal relationship. Jesus desires to have a relationship with you. Maybe this morning you're here, maybe you're joining us on, online, and you hear that and you say, yeah, I don't think so. And the reason being, let's be honest, the reason being is because through your life, there have been people who have told you they want to have a relationship with you. <laughs> there have been people who said they are responsible to have a relationship with you just because of the fact of who they are in your life. And yet, truly, they didn't really want anything to do with you on much more than a surface level. They wanted to use you for what they wanted. They only wanted to give to you what they were willing to give, and there was a wall there. And consequently, maybe in your life, a wall has been raised as well. And that wall, whether it's intentional or unintentional, that has been raised in your life is there between you and your Savior. And you're saying, that's the line there, Jesus. I'm not ready for you to cross it yet. And yet the secret to a true relationship with him, the secret to the true abundant life in him. The secret to true joy in the spirit, even though the world is falling apart. The secret to effectiveness, as we've talked about last week, the secret to fruitfulness as a Christian is an open and unabashed relationship with Jesus that that pursues his way and runs towards him while he runs towards you. The only way that we have eternal value for others is if we allow ourselves to build a relationship with Jesus. Now, if we grow in that relationship, we'll allow that relationship to change us. We'll allow that relationship to motivate us. We'll allow that relationship to direct and empower us. One of the greatest privileges I have as a pastor is to see individuals grow in their faith. That's what my life is about helping people, reaching out to people, teaching, trying to inspire people to desire that relationship with Jesus Christ. Trying to connect other people with the faith that I hold so dear. And realizing that if they reject it, they're rejecting, not only are they rejecting eternity in heaven, but they're rejecting the possibility of the greatest ride in life they could ever, ever have. For a follower of Jesus, a close, strong relationship with the Savior is the absolute key to a life that makes a difference and that does matter for all eternity. And for some reason, that truth is so difficult for many followers of Christ to accept. Like I said, I think there's a lot that goes into that. We are let's just be honest. I mean, if we can't be honest in church, we really can't be honest anywhere, right? Let's be honest. We are an incredibly dysfunctional society. And it's not just because one group votes this way and one group votes that way. It's not because one group is brown and one group is white and one group is darker and one group is this or that or the other thing. It's because we personally in our lives... Are dysfunctional on some level. Whether that's because I mean, I'm not a psychologist, I don't play one on TV, and I don't desire to, to be that way, but I do know that what happens in our childhood if we don't, if we aren't directed properly and 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 helped properly and brought away, brought along properly and taught to deal with, okay, I'll say it, taught to deal with our feelings taught to deal with issues in life, and taught to deal with the struggles of being a human being. And if the reality of the fact that life is going to be a struggle and life is going to be difficult is not made clear and obvious to us, and we are not given the tools as a child to begin building the skills we need to be strong human beings, and learn how to apply those life skills to a walk with Christ, then we're never going to become the person he's called us to be. And we're going to be a dysfunctional Christian. Being, being immature and being on a lower level spiritually, that's the best way I can describe it. That's not dysfunction. That's called growing and having room to grow but not being willing to take the things of God, the things of his word, and honestly applying them to our lives and realize I need to change, man. There are things in my life that I need to change. Our, our kids, are, those of you who are parents with young children, you will see this coming. And those of you who have raised your children, you know what I'm talking about. Kids go through stages in life. And there will come a point in time, if you don't have teenagers, that you wish you never did. Okay, that you'll wish your kids stayed right around the eight or nine year old age. Because when twin boys hit ten, yeah. Life gets interesting. Prepubescence, getting ready. It's quite the feat. Now, we joke about sending our children away, right? We joke about sending them to boarding school and return them when they're 19, right? But in all reality, it's our responsibility as parents to equip and prepare our children for the different stages that they'll go through in life. To teach them how to handle the changes that are going on in their mind, not just in their body, but also in their worldview, and the way they see things. One of the greatest times for me as a youth pastor was to be able to sit down and talk with kids and just listen to them. That's why I love working at the high school. I just love listening to these these teenagers and their opinions and their takes on things. Listen, they don't want to change the world. They just want to be heard. And if you don't listen, then you're turning them to something else. You're turning them to someone else who will listen and will give them an opinion that you don't necessarily want them to have. So I love just to listen to these kids. It's comical at times. It's inspiring at times. I mean, you, if you haven't been around many teenagers lately, sit down with one and just let them talk to you. Just have a conversation. The depth of their thinking is just amazing. Just amazing. Now, they don't have the answers. They're trying to work that out but they're thinking about it. And that's where being a guide in life comes into play. That's where being a mentor in life comes into play. Teaching, bringing them along. Well, that's what Jesus wants for us. And that's what your walk with him is all about. He wants to mentor you in your faith. He wants to guide you in your faith. And when you disconnect from him, guess what? You don't have a mentor anymore. You don't have a guide anymore. You're You're just disconnected from the vine, and you're not learning and growing the way you're designed to as a follower of Christ. Part of the problem is we don't see ourselves as worthy or valuable enough to merit the attention of the creator of all things. That's where the macro picture, the macro sense of faith comes in, right? We're all in this together, the big picture world, the big picture worldview of Christianity, right? God wants to save the world. Jesus died for the world and he wants us to have uh, uh, an impact uh, beyond ourselves. We need to be part of a body of Christ that goes beyond us. And, And we never take the time to sit down and say he wants to be my shepherd. He wants to be in a relationship With me, Yes, he wants to work through the church. Yes, he wants to work in the world. But he loved you enough to die for you. He loved you enough to die for you. I could never grasp it when I was a kid. When my father or some other pastor would say, if you were the only human being in need of a savior, Jesus would have died for you. I could never really understand that. I could never really take that in. And quite honestly, if I'm being honest as a kid, I'd never really believed that. But as I've grown older and i as I've walked this walk in this way, I've come to learn that, yes, that's absolutely true. Jesus wants to spend eternity with me. You too. You, you know, you, he, he wants you too, but he wants me. And when I start to understand that, as overpowering as that can be, as, as deep as that can be, and as as small as everything else in this world can make me feel, the fact that Jesus loves me for who I am and me as an individual person really makes me feel bigger than I am. really makes me feel special in the eyes of God. And then it makes me understand that it's more than just accepting him. It truly is a relationship. And that may be difficult to accept. It may be difficult to wrap your mind around. But he does want to have an influence in our everyday life, in our decisions. (laughs) That may be a lot to take in, but it's the key to to a successful and meaningful life as a human being. It's the key to finding your purpose in life. And it's a key to to answering the question for yourself and for others. What is the meaning of my life? What is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? Why did Jesus die for me? Why did he choose to offer me a relationship and why does he have a purpose? Listen, it doesn't matter what your purpose is. And it may take you a while to find your purpose. It may take a while for you to really hone in on what your, what your gifting is in the church. That's why I say, just get involved, just get involved in the church, just get involved in something. Listen, if you want to start off in the nursery, God bless you. You are welcome to do so. Okay. That may not be for you. It may be, but it may not be. But once you open yourself up to being willing to serve in some capacity, God will start to hone in on you and your life and on your abilities. And he'll start to mold your mind to his way of thinking, and he'll start to reveal to you what it is that you have. Seriously, those of you who have been here for a few years, ask yourself, when you first walked in the door of New Life, for those of you who are watching us online, when you first walked in the door of New Life, did you ever think you'd be doing what you're doing right now in the church? Did you ever think that God would put on your heart a burden and a passion to be involved at the level you're involved in at the commitment you're involved in and in the area of ministry that you're involved in. I believe it comes down to relationship. And I think relationship, one of the, one of the key ingredients and elements of a successful relationship is security. Security. You think about security. It takes in the idea of trust. Trust belief, comfort. And I believe that Jesus being our good shepherd is all about security. Think about it, when we're secure, when we feel safe, when we're more likely to feel free and act free and live, when we feel secure, we're more likely to live, to act, to feel free, to act free and to live free. We're more likely to be willing to take risks. We're more likely to extend our faith to someone who has proven themselves to us in the past our good shepherd. When we walk with Jesus, when we talk with Jesus, when we allow him to, when we allow, when we open ourselves up to him and we allow him to prove, ourselves, prove himself to us, it puts us in a more, in a position of being willing to trust him more. And Jesus tells us that he's our good shepherd. As our good shepherd, what does he promise us to make us feel safe and secure? In the relationship, shepherd to sheep. If you are going to walk with Christ, if you are going to grow in your faith, if you are going to live and become and find your purpose and be fruitful, if you're going to stay connected to the vine, if you're going to all this stuff, if you're going to be part of a passionate serving, ministering church, As your good shepherd, what does he promise you to make you feel safe and secure enough in him to trust him? I think the first thing he promises us that is that we are his focus. We are the apple of his eye, the center of his attention. We are his priority. You are his priority. Psalm 17.8 says, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Hebrews 13.5, keep your life free from the love of money, be satisfied with what you have for he himself has said, I will never leave you. Now the old King James finishes that up with, or forsake you, but I love the way the CSB says this, I will never leave you or abandon you. Many of you have been abandoned in life, haven't you? Many of you have been left. You've just been abandoned. And let's be honest, All those things that happen to us in life affect the way we look at relationships, affect the way we see life, affects the way we see people. It affects the way we build relationships and the the willingness we don't have to extend and expand relationships. (laughs) That includes the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. You've You've been abandoned in your life and it's very difficult for you to trust others. For those of you who are in uh, second marriages or beyond, or other relationships beyond that first one, how think about it, how difficult was it for you to get beyond that abandoned feeling, that broken feeling? But we have that same issue with our walk with Christ, many of us, because of that abandonment, that abandoned feeling. <laughs> I think as I was praying and and preparing this message, the verses that just came to mind for this point were Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 30. Jesus is speaking. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow... Won't he do much more than you, much more for you, O ye of little faith? And I believe that that is what so many of us struggle with on that personal level, not so much on the church level, not so much on the missions level, but on the personal level. Can I trust him? Lord, can I trust you? I want to. <laughs> I hear great stories about trusting you. I hear great teachings about what can happen if I trust you. But I just don't know if I can trust you. And when we have that attitude, when that is that wall in our lives about trusting him for everything, then there is a a line in the sand that we will not cross. I'm telling you, folks, if we are going to serve God with abandon, if we're going to be passionate about our, our, our walk with him, if we are going to build a relationship with Jesus Christ that goes beyond being involved in the church and being the person that will just jump in and help. You know, sometimes we replace that empty feeling in our heart, that, that lack of personal relationship. Sometimes we replace that with busyness in the church. And we feel as we feel that if I can be busy in the church, if I can be doing things in the church, well, or if I can reach out to others and and be helping others that I don't really need that personal relationship because look, And we're not necessarily trying to fool other people, but we're trying to fool ourselves. That, yeah, I do. But really, what we haven't done is opened up up our heart to Jesus and said, okay, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. I'm ready to open up to you. It's tough. Can we take it slow? Baby steps. But I'm ready to start. Man, when we do that, listen, he's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. I think the other thing I see is this. He promises us that he is the source of all that matters to our security and our safety. He is the source of all that matters to our security and our safety. I love uh, when I used to when I used to hike. I used to love if I'd come across a, st- uh, a stream. I used to love to follow that to find the source. And it was awesome. It was awesome to find where something started, where that raging river begins to be fed. Jesus wants to be your source. He is. Your source of all that matters to your security and your safety. So, if we're, to, if we're honest, if we're, if we're to be honest, as stripped down to our essence of humanity, take away all the ego and the trappings of everything, in order to feel safe and secure, we don't need much. Think about those of you who are married when you first started dating. You ladies, I'll say this. I, listen, if this sounds sexist, I don't care. Um, I just don't. All right. I was raised to be a gentleman and to treat a woman with respect, and I think that's the way you should treat your wives. And uh, you know what? If you need lessons, come and talk to me. I'll help you out. Ladies, remember when? <laughs> remember when he played the fool? He tried to just impress you with everything and he went out of his way to impress you with everything and he gave you and he bought you this and, and he was on his best behavior, right? He, uh, he kept a civil tongue and you knew what he was doing. He was trying to impress you, but all he really needed to do was give you his time. All he really needed to do was give you access, right? And once he listened to you and started opening up to you a little bit, you were willing to open up to him more. And a relationship started to grow. My point is this, we don't need much, not as much as we think, to feel safe and secure. We don't need as much as we think. If we, are bare, if we break it down to its bare essence, bare bones, we don't need as much as we think. We don't need a huge bank account. We don't need ADT's best security system. We don't need all of that to feel safe and secure. What we really need is to feel like our lives have purpose that our lives matter to the one who says it matters too when we see that we truly see all that we need and of course the go to when we're talking about the source of all that matters to our security and our safety is the 23rd psalm the lord is my shepherd I have what I need. He lets me me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. I always, even as a kid, I thought that was a clever turn of phrase. And now I just, I think that's so, that's, to me, I know it's probably very comforting to many people. To me, it's almost comical. Okay? It's, it's like, I'll liken it to football. Okay? Like the Rams are so confident. You know, they, 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 they take the field one day and they're so confident that they they sit down on the field and have a picnic during the game knowing that it doesn't matter what you do on the other side we are going to win you can you can saddle up you can hitch your wagon to a star but in the end i think i think that <laughs> Yes. yes, thank you for Von Miller. I appreciate that. But I think that's what Jesus says. Listen, in the middle of a battle, listen, we're going to celebrate. Because I set, I, I, I prepare you a table in the presence of your enemies. I mean, man, that's security and safety, isn't it? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. We're not going to break down the entire 23rd Psalm. We don't have time for that. (laughs) But I will pull a couple things out that go directly, I believe, to relationship and to the security and safety that we I believe we need to listen. Let's, let's let's be honest, folks. We need to feel that he knows that. Don't you, don't you know that Jesus created you? He created you with a desire for relationships. He created you with a desire to be connected to others. He didn't create you to be a lone wolf. He didn't create you to be alone. He created Adam and he said, it's not good for a man to be alone, not good for an individual to be alone. And we say God created Eve for Adam. Well, I think he created Adam for Eve as well. And that may sound very simplistic, but it's very true. Eve was not there to fulfill Adam's needs. Adam was there to fulfill Eve's needs. They were there to fulfill each other. In other words, in a relationship, it's not about you. It's about us. It's about we When it comes to him promising him being the source of all that matters to our security and safety, I see this. He is the protector of our lives. So knowing that someone is watching out for us in the parts of life that we don't know about, that we can't see, that's safety. Knowing that there's somebody that knows what's coming down the road. Knowing Jesus says, I know for the end from the beginning, I'm the alpha and the omega. I'm the first and the last. I know the beginning from to the end. I know everything. I know what's going on. I don't believe as we've been talking about on Wednesday nights in our Bible study, I don't believe that God chose us for salvation, but I do believe he knows what's ahead of us. I do believe that he can see down through our lives and see what's ahead. And I believe he prepares us for what's coming down the road. In my life, and I don't want this to sound like a killjoy, but in my life, if everything is going great, then I know it's time to really prepare and stock up. Because Satan doesn't want me to have great everything. He wants to attack me. He wants to beat me down. He wants me to be useless and worthless to the kingdom of God. And normally the way he does that is attack my close relationships. And then start to try to find cracks in ministry and cause division. Yet God says, I'm the protector of your life. I know what's ahead. Trust me, follow me. Isaiah 41, 10 through 13 says, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Be sure that all who are enraged against you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who contend with you will become as nothing and will perish. You will look to those who contend with you, but you will not find them. Those who war against you will become absolutely nothing. For I am the Lord, your God, who holds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. That's not a promise from someone at work that is so over worked with everything else, they say, listen, I'll get to it. I'll help you at some point and can never follow through. This is from the savior of the world, your savior. And he says, I will help you. If you'll just let me, I will help you. Psalm 91, one through four, the one who lives under the protection of the most high dwells in the shadow of the almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Have you ever experienced Jesus Christ as your refuge and your fortress, where you truly run, your strong tower, where you truly flee to in times of distress? And trouble, when you're so overwhelmed with life, when you're so overburdened with life, when you just don't feel like you can breathe, has He ever been your refuge and your strength, your resource? If you've never experienced that, I challenge you to try and see and feel the peace that He can bring into your life. He Himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague what a timely verse there, huh? He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. He is the protector of your life. Second thing I see is that he provides us rest and restoration. I think rest and restoration is rest for a purpose, rest for a purpose. You know, those days where you've had a hard day at work. If you're a parent, it's been a long day with your children, a long day with your children. Maybe in your marriage, it's been a long day in your marriage. And you say, I just want to go to bed. Just want, I just want to go to bed. Just want to climb under the covers, especially nowadays with the we- when the weather is cold. My, my wife, Erin, likes to sleep in the refrigerator. I mean, it is, it's, it's cold. <laughs> um, and I've, you know, I, I don't mind it uh, because I like to, I, I love to just pull a blanket up. I love that feeling of warmth and comfort. And I love to sleep. For a purpose, <laughs> to get rest, to put the day behind me, to prepare myself for the next day that is inevitably coming. Well, he provides us rest and restoration. When you are just worn out and worn down by life and circumstance, you need to know that someone is prepared to give you rest and restore your passion, your desire, and your energy. Maybe you feel that way in your walk with Jesus. Listen, don't take it for granted that these last 20 months have been easy on yourself. Don't take it for granted that it hasn't affected you in some way. Because I know for me, and it, it, I, I, was, I was at that point where I thought, man, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten through this. I've been able to help others, been able to, to talk with some pastors and kind of encourage them. So COVID really hasn't, hasn't been a major drain on me. And then it became a major drain on me. And I started thinking, wow, this is, this is getting wearisome. Truly is. And when you become weary and tired, what does that do to your mind? What does that do to your spirit? You begin to think thoughts and make decisions that are not necessarily the best You need rest and restoration. Proverbs three twenty four says, "When you lie down, you will not be afraid. You will lie down, and your sleep will be pleasant." Psalm sixty two one through two, one and two say, "I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be." Do you know that there is a place you can get to in your life where life will be difficult, life will be tough? I love that picture, maybe you've seen it online, of a lighthouse and it's it's out on a jut of land and it's surrounded by massive waves crashing all around it, yet that lighthouse stands firm. And that's what Jesus is to us. He is our stronghold in the middle of storms. Out there it may be raging, but in here it is possible to be at peace at all times. And lastly, or thirdly, I see that he promises to care for us when no one else does. It's it's amazing the debate that goes on when this topic comes up in society. Either we're the loneliest nation in the world or we're not that lonely. It depends on who you talk to. But the fact of the matter, that's... (laughs) Let me just share this. That's why social media is so popular, because so many people are disconnected. And, and another reason social media is so popular is because you can be connected without really being connected, okay? There's, there's, not much, there's, not, there's not much investment in a relationship where you can be a keyboard warrior and type your opinion and then walk away. In fact... <laughs> Don't you wish you had this with sometimes with friends and coworkers? You can go up and click on "Stop Notifications" for this post. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? So you can, you can have the last word. <laughs> but our good Shepherd promises us to care for us when no one else does. There are times in life where we just don't we we just don't feel alone. We are alone. There's no one else around that understands. There's no one else that has the time. There's no one else that even knows what's going on. But he is there and he cares. And listen, folks, if that's going to matter to you, that has to be enough for you. Well, I can't see him. I can't talk to him. It has to be enough for you. But I, but I just need someone to sit down across from me. And have, it has to be enough for you. Until until the relationship that you have with Jesus is enough for you, you'll never understand the depth of the relationship with Jesus. It is enough. He says, I am enough. He says, I'm more than enough. I'm everything you need. I'm everything you need. You just have to accept it. And then allow me to build and strengthen that connection. And you'll see. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says... Humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. One of the most powerful and heartbreaking stories of ministry is of a man named Charles Weigel. Charles Weigel was an itinerant evangelist. Powerful. Powerful preacher. He was a friend of Billy Sunday, if you, remember, if you know who Billy Sunday was. Powerful evangelist of the early 20th century. Charles Weigel traveled around his region holding revivals and ministering. and He was powerful. He was amazing. I had the privilege last night of listening to an interview that he gave decades ago. One day, he came home from an evangelistic crusade to find a note from his wife that said she had had enough of that life and she was leaving him. And she left. He fell into depression and despondency, and the feeling that no one cared about him, feeling that no, feeling that he was completely alone. And humanly speaking, he was. Many of you have been there. <laughs> Truth be told, I've gotten that text. And you could be in the crowd of thousands and feel all alone. It took some time. It took some time for God to heal his spirit. Finally, he was restored in his faith, And in his spirit and in his mind, they returned to useful ministry. And what came out of that is a song that maybe some of you who are older, maybe you've been in church for a while, have sung as a hymn. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. His first verse in the chorus go like this. I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus, since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. There's no other friend so kind as he. No one else could take the sin and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cared for me. So simple. yet so profound and powerful. And in that interview... He was, well, it was, it was not necessarily an interview. It was him speaking in a conference just before he sang that song. And it's one thing to hear people sing songs of worship and praise. I love to hear our congregation sing. It's another thing to hear someone sing a profound song that has come from the depths of their spirit. And it doesn't matter whether they can carry a tune or not, you feel where that song comes from. He promises to stay with us through everything. For those of you who have walked that road, you know, he promises to stay with us through everything. And he promises promises to rehabilitate us when we need it. Because there are times when we need rehabilitation. We don't like to admit that. But there are times when we need it. There are times when you have decisions that are difficult that other people are going to mock you for. I think of, I'm getting, I'm preparing to have. Uh, I, Aaron doesn't like it when I say this, so I say it often. Uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to have my stomach cut out. Okay, um, and that's a decision I've made because of my health, because of my age, because of the age of my, uh, my family, um, and because I don't want to go. I'd rather have that than have to have. All this stuff revised again. And quite honestly, I'm tired of the struggle. Okay, there's a way for me to solve it. You can, support, you can support, be supportive all you want. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the support my wife has. But that's a road I have to walk by myself. It's a road that with all the support you have and whatever it is, you know what you're going through in your life. There can be support everywhere. But when it comes down to brass tacks, it's the road you have to walk by yourself. And Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants to hold your hand. He wants to care for you. And he wants to let you know you're not alone. You're not alone. I'm with you through all the darkness. I'm with you through all the difficulty. Isaiah 43, one through four says, now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you and the rivers will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel and your savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place because you are precious in my sight and honored. And I love you. I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of your life. And as we close this series out, the last thing I want to say to you is this. As the good shepherd, as the vine, as the door, as the bread of life, as all the I am's that Jesus is to you, he promises you an eternal future. Promises you an eternal future. Let me tell you, that is our hope when we talk to others, when we live this life in front of others, when we live to make a difference in front of others, we do so because we have a hope and we want them to know that. And when we live, when we lift Jesus up before them, when we let him shine through us, when we run to him in our times of need, when we trust in him and rely on him and lean on him and rest in him, it makes that bond that much stronger. It makes that trust that much stronger. It gives us that much more courage and ability to take another step because we have a future and a hope in him. Jesus in John 14:1 through three says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to prepare a place for you, I'll come again to take you back there with me. And I know heaven is going to be amazing, eternity, eternity is going to be amazing, and we talk about it, I love to, I love to just talk about it. Uh, our sons asked me one time, Dad, are we going to be able to play baseball in heaven? I mean, yeah, man, I, you know what? I, I look forward to so much in heaven. I, the, you know, that's the, the, a new heaven, a new earth, perfect. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4, just kind of tells us Gives us, gives us, it's kind of an appetizer of what we are, what we have to look forward to. John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the, fro- from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live them, will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. That's our hope. That's what we live for. That's what we have to look forward to. That's why we should desire to build a relationship with him because there is so much to look forward to. And the stronger you get in your relationship with him, the better you are able to answer those questions from others. What is life all about? What is the meaning of life? What is my purpose here? And we can lift Jesus up and say, this is the purpose. This is the purpose is the purpose. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today in your house, the opportunity to dig into your word, the opportunity to kind of reminisce and understand. And Lord, we are at a time and place in history where as human beings, Father, we are very worn down, even as followers of yours, Lord, your children, your sheep we're worn down. Uh, it, we're anxious. There seems to be a feeling of, of unsettledness in this world right now. And Father, if we were to allow all of that, if we are to allow all of that to affect us, then boy, it can really, really disconnect us from a lot of things, especially you. So, Lord, this isn't just a feel-good message about feel-good things from your word. It's a message about a lifeline, a connection, and what you want to be for us. I pray that each and every one of us will look into our hearts and our spirit. Father, for those of us who, who do have walls up between us and you, where it is a struggle every day, to trust you because we've never been able to trust anybody in our lives. God, would you break through that struggle? Would you break through that wall and let your love overpower everything so that we might feel your presence and that our relationship might blossom and grow and become more fruitful? Father, we have a new week ahead of us. We've never walked this way before. Brand new. We have no idea what's coming. We have no idea the blessings. We have no idea of the struggles. What we do know is that you go before us. You are a shield around us. May we live that way. May we walk that way. May we walk with that confidence. And may it be to your honor and your glory. Dismiss us with your blessing. In your name we pray. Amen.